Hey, are you aware of the Pamela Anderson 4 video? Welcome to the 2000s. I hate this town. I hate this fucking town. Dreams too big for this town. Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a thousand pop punk and emo pop retrospective. I am as always the next Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, and with me the next next Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Hello, I'm Sybil, I'm here. <laughs> Topical joke, Thameline. <laughs> It may still be topical uh, by the time this releases. Ah, uh, but no, hi, we're back. Um, I don't have my setup right now, so if this episode sounds like shit, that's the reason. I'm not settled in yet in my new place, so my microphone and shit is not set up yet. What, should I buy a new microphone? What microphone should I buy? I have money now. I have a job. I'm also looking into that, so I'll tell you when I have an answer. Okay, cool. Because this, I have this microphone for, uh, I bought this microphone in second, third year university. Either second or third year university? For a second I thought you were going to say second grade. No. Uh, and that was like six or seven years ago. So I had this microphone for a while. If it still functions, there's no need to rush it, but I can also understand the urge to upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't sound great. Like, I don't think it sounds great. It doesn't sound bad, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Also, the, the knob is missing. The little, you know, the oh. volume knob. Uh, the monitoring doesn't work anymore. It's the, Okay, the, that's probably time to start replacing, yeah. The little legs don't work anymore. Yeah, it's been like this for a while. <sighs> Hi, Sybil. How are you doing? How what What are we talking about today? Well, today we're going to discuss the hottest untouched gem of 2019, Metal Gear Survive. No, wrong, wrong, wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, we're touching a different stove today. We are actually covering Saves the Days in Reverie. Yep. Yeah. Do you remember the previous record we listened by this band? Uh, they were, this song will become, weren't they? You do remember! Yeah, the the voice was more distinct on that album. Yeah, and um, it was more of a pop-punk record. This one is very much not. They they change genre. They do this hard swerve into a different genre. And it's not good. <laughs> I don't like this record at all. Well, speaking of not good, let's just get this out of the way up front. There's an obligatory now. This song will become the anthem of your underground. You're too flossed down, getting high in the background. If I flooded out your house, do you think you'd make it? Down to 
Yeah, okay, go with the obligatory. Yep. That this happened literally like a month after we recorded our first episode about this band, so yay. Yeah, it turns out that Chris Conley, the band's singer and frontman, uh, has a history. Posts were uploaded to the Instagram account Your.BandSucks, alleging the singer of the New Jersey emo rock group tried to coerce a fan into a relationship, and the two met when this fan was a minor and Conley was in mid-twenties. The accusations included mental and verbal abuse, threats of self-harm and harassment, and the accuser says Conley sent them uh, unrequested new photos and set iPhone timers in order to send harassing phone calls. The statement from Conley says that, yes, this happened, but it does not represent who I am, which really is one of the worst combinations you can probably give as an apology or owning up to something, so fuck off. It's terrible. It's just like, it's terrible. It's, it's bad. Um, I only gamergated a woman once. There are like, the the original statement does mention that like, this probably happened multiple times. Like it does point to it as like a pattern of behavior with other people, but no one else came forward with it. So like, fuck this guy. Not a, not a good person. Boo. If you, I mean, we we were gonna trash this record because we really don't like it. But still, if you don't feel comfortable listening to this episode because we're talking about a piece of shit, you're valid. It's okay. Listen to another. Listen to our Cohedon Cambria episode, which is entertainingly problematic. It, yeah, it's, it's, it, I'll be honest. It's the best. My favorite episode we've we've done. <laughs> well, I don't think we've ever had a record that had so much meat on it on every di- you could just turn in any direction off that coheed episode and there's something to chew on just gordon ramsay memes for days yeah i feel like we've 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 went like three hours more than three hours about it and we still could talk more like if we did another run of the record we could find more to talk about because wow that was a lot mm-hmm. um yeah no sorry uh, i I, I'm, I'm for the first time in this podcast history. I'm happy with one, an episode we've made. Um, nice. Anyhow, do you want to talk to us about aside from this shit, the the what happened in between the last record and this record, which saves the day? While in Saves the Day News, Contemporary Edition. So after the success of Stay What You Are, Saves the Day signed with major label DreamWorks Records, who co-released their next album with Vagrant, still having them under contract. The song Anywhere With You was released as a single, but went largely unnoticed despite the album peaking at 27 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. Conley later said the following about the album's release in an interview with Scratch Magazine, and boy, Scratch is spelled uh, in a very pop-punk manner, S-K-R-A-T-C-H. Okay. That is not how you spell that word. 
DreamWorks Records completely abandoned it three days after it was released, saying that we made the wrong record. Then they were sold a month later. They were worthless. That's the greatest burn ever for a record label to give you. You've made the wrong record. This is the wrong record. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> I can still remember tracks off that first Saves the Day album, even if it's not my vibe. I think both of us have a complaint about this, but we'll get to that when we're talking about it. This is a record that grasps at a bunch of trends that weren't even that popular, and it does it badly. This record, like, vaguely gestures as a certain type of indie of the 2000s, in a time where the Strokes were already, like, making that kind of indie obsolete. Are the Strokes still alive? Yeah, they made a record that a lot of they made a record last year that a lot of people liked and I didn't. Okay. I know that Julian Casablancas went solo for a bit, so I had to check. No, that's the story putting out stuff. A lot of people really liked the record that they put out last year. I didn't, but you know, that's still out there. Also, uh I'm just gonna throw this out there on the bonus episode concept pile. We should do a the new Game Grumps retrospective? No, <laughs> No! No! Oh god, no. Um, I was going to say, I remember the early 2000s wave of the new rock and roll, like the Hives, the Strokes, Jet, all that. We should do a Where Are They Now and maybe cover how fast that fell apart for a lot of them. Because that was about this time. Anyhow, shortly after the album's release, DreamWorks Records is absorbed by Interscope, who will drop the band from its roster. Do we have more albums from them in our spreadsheet? Can you check the table? Uh, we at least have one. 2006's Sound the Alarm. Under the Boards in 2007. Daybreak in 2011. And finally, we will come back to them with a self-titled album in 2013. Does it show that I don't want to talk about this album because we haven't mentioned this? This is supremely uninteresting. I don't know what we have to say about a lot of these tracks aside from, yep, this sounds like Queezer. Yep, this is sort of like a mid-tier Elliot Smith track. Like, there's not a lot interesting going on. They're all, like, pretty flat. There's some interesting production touch on, like, a couple of tracks, but aside from that, this is mostly straightforward guitar and voice. And none of it is like good, but also none of them, none of that, none of it is funny. Like there's not a lot even to make fun of this. Like the lyrics are like incredibly mediocre. There's nothing in this record that's like, aside from saying, okay, they tried to imitate a lot of like indie bands of the time and like power pop bands of the time, and it's sort of Beatlesy. Aside from saying that, there's not a lot of things that you can say about the singular tracks for this record, which I'm dreading as an experience now that we move into it. Well, here's the issue, and let's kick off with the initial track, Anywhere With You. Shaking and 
yeah, which starts with the most wither ass, most like Pinkerton riff ever. Da -da 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 this is a wither track. I, I, there's this thing on Richard Music where everyone compares every fucking power pop band to wither, which I find extremely offensive because I like power pop and I don't like wither. Um, this does sound like Weezer, though. Not the whole album, but this song and a couple of the songs at the beginning of this record are incredibly Weezer sounding. Except that, where Weezer at least has a personality, like when you hear a song about Weezer, you're like, it's a shit personality, I don't like Weezer, but like, they have their, their whole like, you know, darky white guys thing that they do, and it's like, it's a thing. It's a thing that gives them like, you know, some uniqueness. This is like Wither minus the personality. This is like Wither, but made very bland. There's no humor, there's no like quirkiness to it. Just like a Wither sounding song with, without the catchiness that some of the Wither songs have. Again, this is not even as good as Wither, because say what you say about what you want about Wither, they have a couple of good singles. They have a couple of like really catchy songs. I actually like the Blue Album which is not a controversial thing to say. Most people like the Blue Album, it's a good record. And they don't even reach that. They, this song is just like, it sounds like Weezer. Um, maybe I, I don't really like the vocal, but I slightly like them more than River Cuomo's vocal. But it's straight up a power pop song in Weezer style that does really nothing to stand out and has some really just... The, the lyrics on this record are all over mediocre. They're they're not they're not even fun enough to make fun of. They're just like bland and they don't do anything unique or interesting. And this first song is just that I again I don't have much to say aside from like, yeah, this sounds like Weezer. Shrag emoji. So what I wanna say is that this album is very hard to discuss track by track, but I think it also the criticism, you made the wrong record, fits very well with this, because you mentioned this sounds, this sounds like Weezer, but Anywhere With You is the album's only single. It doesn't have anything to discuss in its video, which is just them standing in a room that's sparsely dressed, playing the song. And the difference that you can point out with a Weezer album is there is a sense of I don't know if poking fun or whimsy is the word I want here, but a Weezer album is going to be a little weird with it possibly in a mockable way probably in a mockable way these days let's never cover Van Weezer but there's also something there that you can latch onto and go this has an identity if you were just trying to wear Weezer like a Halloween mask, you've you've cut Rivers Cuomo open and you've stepped inside his skin suit. This album is what you get out of that. Don't give Weezer ideas for more videos. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't think Weezer would ever listen to me for ideas on videos because there is nothing Weezer has done as a band in the last 10 years that I would ever find myself going, that's the right choice. But that's the Weezer choice, and that's an identity. Saves the Days 
In Reverie is an album that is trying to just wear Weezer like a coat and get into a club, and everyone else can see there's something wrong here, even if they can't put their finger on it. It feels like them trying to do the quote-unquote mature record after coming from punk. It just feels like they don't have... I don't want to say the talent, they just don't have the breadth of, like, musical inspiration and, like, creativity to do a mature record. So it just ends up as, you know, pantomiming as different bands, but without anything unique that sets it apart. It's like, yeah, on a technical level, if you go and look at the pieces and what you're trying to do, this is slightly, like, higher than pop-punk, right? Because pop-punk is... I love pop-punk, but it's a very, you know basic if i want to say genre it's a very you know poppy to the core punchy genre that doesn't have a lot of depth a lot of times and they are gesturing in this record at bands that do have to an extent more depth than that you could argue weezer maybe not but you know they're trying to do something with a bit more depth than that except they're just not there going into a genre with more depth should make the strength of the band like the creativity or the you know the individual talent like stand out more and this just doesn't do that right they go into a wider field of music and they have nothing to bring to it if you remember when we did the get up kids when they did their sort of folkish record that was also a problem in that, yes, you went into this different genre in this wider like field of genre, and you don't have a lot to offer that's more than you know your contemporaries in the genre. But you know, the Get Up Kids were better. The Get Up Kids actually made a couple of really good songs on the record, and it saves the day doesn't. Well, playing off what you said, you said pop punk is kind of a simple genre, but this doesn't have the energy of punk, the traditional, this is not mainstream enough to have any pop, so they're trying to just pivot into being an indie rock band, which you've mentioned a couple of times, but they don't have the chops for it, and they're also still writing songs that are incredibly short. The longest track on this album is 3.30. Oh, I like that! Oh, no, I no. don't want to hear, I don't no, want no. to listen to a long song by this band. <laughs> I'm not saying it needs to be longer, but I'm saying this is such a misfire on every conceptual level. It's not a genre they're used to working in. It's not written in the style of the genre they're trying to pivot to, but it doesn't have any of the strengths of their prior work anywhere in this, only the flaws. So... It's really hard to grasp at what to say on a few of these tracks because they're under two minutes long, but they're not really energetic enough to do anything with. You could put this album on while you're doing the dishes and you'd finish most of it and you might not even know, oh yeah, that was ten tracks. I mean, and I don't mind. I like short songs. I love short songs. Her songs are great. Adam would love this record. Um... There's just not a lot, because we don't have a lot more to say about Singular Track. Do we want to go to What Went Wrong and say the same things? Well, let's just cycle through them, let people hear a sample of each as we're going, and... Yeah, let's move to What Went Wrong. Mm -hmm. Go on. The man forgot. 
went wrong is the first track that made me hope that the lyrics were going to give us something. They don't. Well, normally this is where I would go, okay, this is a very misguided something, but it's really hard to even put it that way because there's a line. This is... Have I ever told you about how one of my favorite songs for mourning someone is Thomas Dolby's I Love You Goodbye? Yes, you have talked about this song multiple times, but feel free to go. Okay, very short reminder for anyone who's coming in late. It is a track that is written as a New Orleans-style bit of a jazz piano riff over him doing spoken word about a friend who has passed and just a very stupid young man adventure they got into at some point in time. This track has that same structure, but none of the details. So if you look at this lyrically, we're just talking. It's almost the exact same thing. Hey, there we were. The cops pulled us over. We carefully paid them off. And this is the kind of rambunctious adventure we had as young people. Except instead of a nice story that's full of details, the county sheriff had a hair lip, Louisiana's pride and joy. We don't have any of that here. We just have verse two, which is Leonard looked like a ghost gave him a foot massage. Molly shook like a fish dangling on a line. Walter wore women's clothes. And then we go back into the chorus. That's it. There's no story to this because they're not. It's the exact same basic structure mishandled on every level. And it can't even do it in a way where we can really go off about what were you thinking with the women's clothesline because nothing follows up on those four words. That's no context. The more we talk about it, the more I find that, uh, first of all, this song is terrible. This is another Weezer-sounding song. They do this sing-songy kind of thing that Weezer would do in some other song. But again, with Weezer, there's always a sense of, like, irony and, like, they're having fun with it and they're saying, like, outlandish things. Well, this, as you mentioned, it's a very bland and not detailed story. Like, it's a story song with barely any story in it. They, they really struggle to find an emotional core to a lot of the songs. Like, what am I supposed to feel when listening to this is a question? And I don't know, because the... And we sang Song of Sorrows, like there's like this melancholy to it, but why? <laughs> That's the thing. This song explicitly tells you what you're supposed to feel by saying, this is a sad song. This is a sad but it's song. Not. But, mm-hmm. but it's not really. It's not. <laughs> There's a Futurama line that is one of the best lines ever for covering really absolute dog shit writing. You can't have your characters just say how they feel. That makes me angry. It's a, <laughs> it's a great joke. I love that joke. This is exactly that. 
I feel that's a thing that we don't come across a lot in pop punk because pop punk, for how simple it is, there's always like a clear emotional core, right? It's always like, this is a breakup song. This is a catchy song, right? There's always like, the, the hook is very clear in pop punk. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's an issue of this band moving from trying to do pop punk to trying to do something that's a bit more art poppy, which is like, you need to find out, you need to figure out what are we supposed to feel from the song and you need to do it. And this is interesting because their first big single was At Your Funeral, which is a song that does this right with an identity. But speaking of mistakes, you know what I realized doing some of the research. This record would have been done when he was in his mid-twenties when some of those things that we had the allegations about were going on. So... Yikes. This might be a period of a very lost man not knowing what to do with himself now that he's suddenly famous. Yep. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some fake digital strings in the song, which is a nice production touch. A-, a lot of things on the first half of this album have what I refer to as the reverby space outro. They, they all end very similarly, yes. And here's the thing. We mentioned this is Weezer face. With Weezer, it's now become very clear those guys loved a certain era of rock music and were trying to do something in that style. Again, Van Weezer. This feels like you you have heard Weezer and maybe one or two other bands do something that's a throwback without hearing the originals. So you're just trying to cover the cover. You you understand Weezer, but you don't understand why Weezer is Weezer. <laughs> It's almost like they're driving in the dark. Which is the next song, which sounds more like the Beatles. Like, they mention this, actually, as one of their inspiration. Uh, the dude mentions that they were listening to a lot of Beatles while producing this record. And it shows a lot of this song. This, this just sounds like first era Beatles. This sounds like, you know, ancient radio rock. <laughs> mm-hmm. With a bit more darkness to it, like there's like this minor chords riff at the beginning, but like, this is a very basic rock song. Well, here's where I'm going to drop a bit from the research. Conley said that while they were working on the last album, he learned he was writing songs out of his vocal range. So, as a result of that, I think it gives his voice character on the last album, because... As someone who's trying to do work with her voice, I understand you have to figure out what your vocal cords can hit after a certain point in development. So, what he did is go, oh, instead of forcing a sound, I'm going to just go with what my body can do. And thus, we get him going from a, a distinct, if not whiny, tone to, oh... Your voice is naturally bland. Again, the song is 
pleasant at best. I don't think it's bad. It's like, yeah, okay, you have a cute chorus and some decent verse. And I can see someone liking this just in terms of this is a pleasant pop song, but it just doesn't, like, it doesn't do anything memorable. I don't, this, what is the song? Why should I remember this song? I don't know. I guess to, an, to a point it comes to the thing where it's like pop is, you know, catchiness is subjective, of course. There's not really a science to it. So I, I, de- I do hear a lot of people that are like, oh, this is a nice collection of pop songs. And I don't see it. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't care. That's my biggest point on this. I, none of the songs are memorable enough for me to care. They don't have great hooks. They're just, again, pleasant maybe, but like, Shrug emoji. I, the most interesting thing about this record is the cover art, which is basically little golden book artwork from Annihilation. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure you're right. Let's call it off. I had enough of the games. If you could see into me, all my veins are tangled up, tied in knots. So Rise is maybe the best song of the record for me. It actually has a lot of like interesting um, interesting melodic turns, like there's a lot of interesting dissonance melodically, and this is, I don't know if I mentioned this, this is where they remind me of the shins, in that I feel they took a lot of melodic ideas from the shins. Uh, but again, the Shins were a band that at least had more of an emotional core, and I don't even like the Shins. I, I know that they're like iconic for the time, the period of indie. I, I don't really like them, um, but they do take a lot of uh, melodic idea, like a lot of that dissonance and the minor chord stuff that they do. And this song is the one that it, where it mostly comes together the best for me. It's like there, it's just like a lot of like really solidly melodic parts that sort of work together well. I don't have it doesn't do anything exceptionally, but a lot of this melody just works and it's like off kilter in a pleasant way. Like a lot of the other songs are just like there's some kind of dissonance to them, but they're sort of just like pleasant pop song. This one actually has a bit of an edge to it in that it doesn't just flow over you. The the dissonance is actually used to a point where it alternates a bunch of bits and they all sort of collide with each other in interesting ways. Um, it's fine. I it's probably the one that I listen with more like the more, it's the song that I had the more fun listening to, but there's again not a lot to it still. It's a decent song though. This is the end of the period that I can't really get a lot of discussion out of. Uh, at this point, I was just struggling to find anything to write, and I have... This is a bland melange of white guy, and we continue to end with the reverb outros. Yeah, it's also like, this song is probably the most coherent thematically, in that it's sort of like a you know spiteful breakup song. And it sounds like a spiteful breakup song, and it's sort of like dissonant and uh, I don't want to say angry, but this is as angry as this band can get, which is not a lot. 
I suppose this is a breakup song. It is. The first half is a breakup song. The outro sounds like it could just be an anti-war ballad that so many more interesting bands would do uh, to close the record. Yeah, it's a breakup plus healing song, which again, do a thing and do it well, don't do 40 things, but it sort of works. But anyway, talking about breakup song, there's a new Carly Rae Jepsen album out. Ooh, it's good. It's not as it's not as good as Dedication and Emotion, but like you can like you can't expect the level of quality to be that consistent. It's good. That's a couple of good songs. Hmm. What's what's after Rise? Uh, in Reverie, the title track. Oh, oh wow, this one is the bad one. Okay, so this is where I at least have something interesting to say about What the fuck is going on with the mixing on the song? Well, the voice is wallowing everything else on the song. There's a phrase I came up with that I think we bandied about a little disgusting as we both listened. This track is the vocal dark web. I can't tell what's happening, but the voice and the mixing are drowning everything out to the point that this could be a love song, this could be a breakup song, this could be them just reading off white nationalist propaganda. It's hard to tell. The mixing is horrible. This is um incredibly 2000 indie song. Like, it has that just dissonant verse, like... And I guess this was a bit earlier than when there will be a boom of this kind of music. But like, yeah, there will be like thousands of bands with this sound. And uh, I don't even hate, I just hate the mixing. Like I sort of like this song because I have, because this was the era, like a, a couple of years after this, was the era where, I, era where I started like paying attention to music. So I have a natural like Pavlovian response to a certain kind of indie that makes me immediately think that it's kind of cool, even though in retrospect it really isn't. So I don't even hate this song because this just reminds me of like a couple of bands that I like and that I don't remember the name of because this is the music that I was listening when I was fucking 13, right? But the mixing is fucked up on the song. The voice literally swallows every other thing going on. It's a different sound. They're shifting gears, but it's not helping the songwriting. It's not helping the vocal performance. It's just... The backing track has changed. What is the next song? Morning in the Moonlight. Okay.
Oh, this is the opposite of last song. This is like the vocals now are drowned by like loud instrumentation. But again, at least this is trying to do something different. This is a noisier, like more aggressive track. And the vocals just don't work on this. This dude doesn't have a rock voice at all. The instrumentation is trying really hard to be like fast and noisy on this one. And the melody is not terrible. This almost sounds like, um, like, you know, um, this almost sounds like they're trying to do like, um, shit. Uh, Fountains of Wayne kind of thing on this one. But that voice, that lightweight, like, chill voice is just, like, killing this song. So this record has gone from being Weezer Face to now we're trapped at the world's worst karaoke night and a guy who... a guy who cannot leave his speaking voice comfort range is monopolizing the mic and we're all falling asleep as he goes through three genres now just sort of mumbling through everything and we're gonna fall asleep and the attendant's gonna rob our purse I think the song with a different vocalist would be really good yeah the last one too Th this one is just like a straightforward power pop song and it's not the writing is not bad. Like, I could see, like, The Bats, or I could see, like I mentioned before, Teleton doing this song really well. Because it has energy, and with a better vocalist, you could play it more aggressively. And this is just, like, it doesn't work with this guy, the vocals. In Reverie, the song, and Morning in the Moonlight, and one or two other tracks by the end, if you were to just play karaoke versions of those without the singing... I don't think anyone would guess, oh, this is a Saves the Day track. Unfortunately, this takes us into Monkey. Not the mountain good song, I assume. There's a monkey in the basement. No. There's a monkey in the basement. How did the monkey get there? How did the monkey get there? No? Okay. This... This is... These days, the term for what these lyrics are would be AI-generated. <laughs> this is an Elliot Smith song without any of the cleverness and songwriting of Elliot Smith. This sounds like something like out of figure eight, except there's no piano because, you know, why would you do something cool like adding a piano to a song like this? This does sound like they're really trying to be like late era Elliot Smith, except they're not like Elliot Smith was a really good songwriter who wrote good lyrics to go with this Beatles inspired like uh, melodies, and they don't. This is just nonsense. <laughs> I think 
this track is their attempt at doing an anti-conformity war is bad song. But that's me being very generous in trying to make sense of these lyrics. Because the chorus, you're going to think I'm having a stroke if I read off this chorus. The monkey will bite. Better eat your poultry, too. There's no use. Don't try to ask a doctor what's going on inside your head. Just fall out and get in line like all good soldiers do. I'm gonna bring out a Sybil classic. This lyric sounds like if Dr. Seuss had kidnapped you. Ha! <laughs> yeah, this sounds like someone is going for Seussian prose, but... They're going for Seussian prose and they're, try they're trying to menace you with it. They're trying to threaten you with it, which is weird. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. That is the best interpretation that I have for this lyrics. And the only reason I say this is an anti-war song is because it's the most coherent read I can get on things with the other verses about why we're here, no one knows, watch the bombs explode, he sold you a dream and carved you up like meat. Maybe that's... Oh, yeah. George Bush taking us into wars, damn it. What's the song on but, Rock Against Bush? No, because Rock Against Bush only had people who could come up with any kind of emotional core. Speaking of, let's talk about the next track, In My Raking Life. In My Waking Life, Sybil. Be accurate. We are a serious podcast of journalism. I'm never in my waking life. Dreaming is my all the time. Whether it's a weather all my mind, it's all too much. Call it in the frigid wind. A whisper is my dearest friend. Leading me along a lily lady twisting trail. This is where I stopped taking notes, I'll be honest. Uh, my last notes here is snooze. And I don't think I have any other notes for this record. Uh, but yeah, this is this is like the last bit of the record when it's just like, yeah, now we're really trying to sound like the Beatles, but in that kind of um, underproduced 2000 indie way. It's like we're the Beatles, but we're not. We don't even have like cool like wind instrument or orchestral sound behind us. We're trying to be Revolver, really, but we're we don't have. We're not good. I don't care about this song, I have nothing to say about it. It's, this and the next one are just complete voids for me. This one is so bland that I actually couldn't write anything. I'm with you. I think this is the second worst track on the album. But this one is worst because it's so nothing. Do we have anything before we go on to my worst of album? No, let's go to She, which is another track where I have absolutely nothing. It's a ballad, and it's slow, and it's boring, and there's nothing to it. She Slow pain. 
So it's acoustic, which is already a bad sign. And it's acoustic, and it's a... I'm trying to think of what... This is an acoustic posting your L's track. <laughs> Save the days posting the L's, new Twitter account. It's talking about how you got dunked on by a lady who was out of your league. The, the woman he's describing sounds like she would be a better band leader than him. Now she sits and sings something about my dreams. Hours go by before she looks at me. She breaks my heart as I open my eyes to drink Melon Sky. And the next one sounds like it's a continuation of that same depression vibe, but we actually have a backing track this time. Uh, next up is Where Are You? Where are you? Cause I'm not sure what's going on. I feel the earthquake and beneath me. I don't even know where am I. Uh, like in life, it's a philosophical question. I don't know. It's slowly dying like every other human being on this earth. Lyrically, this feels like it's the exact same funk he was in when he wrote She, but musically, it's a real whiplash going from that acoustic track yeah, to this, this. This is 90s alternative for some reason. Mm-hmm. But also, if this were a different band, these last two tracks would have been merged together into one four-minute song. This is under two minutes, and it feels... We feel like we're in a demo. This feels like a demo tape. Also, self-mutilation. If I could move just one fingernail, I'd scratch your name on the back of my hand so I would never forget you again. Yeah, I don't... I don't care. Like, this one is... Of the of the last bit, this one is one of the... This one is one of the most interesting ones just because it sounds like 90s alternative for no reason. But again, the dude's voice doesn't work, the lyrics are mediocre at best. It, it doesn't, there's nothing on it for me. I think the next track, Wednesday the 3rd, is the only thing on this record that actually caught my attention. hardest track on the album by a mile it's basically tied for longest track by a matter of seconds and 
it's one of the only things that feels written start to finish rather than being a skeleton. I think it's my favorite song on this. Go for it. Talk about it. I don't care. I don't have anything. I don't have any more notes. I don't care. I don't <laughs> have anything at the at this end. Talk to talk about it. Go go for it. No, it's it's great. It's got it's great. That say, wait, are are oh, we no, sure I we're love... sending by that? Okay, okay. I'm not gonna go with it's great. It's the greatest thing saves the day wrote on this album. But this actually has a structure and verses and everything else feels skeletal in comparison with this. And maybe that's the I think I've I think I've hit on it. This was released a week before the fucking label went under. Nobody cared. The whole band turned in a demo and some producer who knew things were about to collapse just went, sure, fine, fuck it. Didn't care. Half of this record is barely mixed. This is the only thing that feels like a real song from a real band. And it's such an oasis in the middle of this desert of content. They wrote a song, they performed their instruments, he still can't sing, but at least for three and a half minutes near the end, I woke up and I had it was a weird time portal to admittedly very shitty alternative rock. This would have been an opening act with somebody I saw performing that I would never think of again. But I got a track, and then they lost it. Yep. And then we go to the last song. Do you have anything to say about the last song? This is full-on surf rock wheezing, because they start off with an acoustic guitar, and then they try to ramp it up for a big finale by going into the actual electrics again, but it's not doing anything. This is what happens if you think you've got the energy of Wednesday the 3rd, and you're going to do this as a closer, but you don't have anything else and you just kind of sputter out because, like, somebody's gassed after that last track. There's an instrumental in the middle of this. That doesn't happen anywhere else on this album. Ellie's literally yawning hearing me describe this track because they <laughs> fell on their face I so fucking I don't care, hard. let's finish this. Same song, different chorus. What are your final thoughts on this record? This is miserable. This is miserable in the worst way, which is boring miserable. I'm not going to... The best track is Wednesday the 3rd, and I'm not going to remember Wednesday the 3rd by Wednesday of this week. 
Yep, this is a 2.5 for me. It's mediocre at best. I don't No, I'm not even giving this a 2.5. I'm giving this a flat out one and a half. Okay, it's a 2.5 for me in that if I didn't have to discuss this record track by track, and I say this on a lot of records, I wouldn't care about it that much. I would be like, sure, whatever. Um, It's impossible to discuss it track by track, aside from going, this is, this is the Weezer song. This is the Elliot Smith song. They tried aiming higher than what what they started at, and they failed. Which is, you know, it's fine, whatever. I don't care. It's we've listened to worst records, but we've listened to very few records that are this like bland. I eh, eh. It doesn't even have length for us to complain about. How sluggish it, it is. It feels long. It It's 30 minutes. It took me like an hour 30 to go through it the first time because I kept getting distracted. This album is a coma. This is the audio loop of someone in a coma if you were to just tap their fucking brain. So this was an episode. You can find us at getoutofthistown.com. You can email us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com, I believe is the correct mail. If you're not sure, go on our website. We have it there. And if you're on iTunes and or Apple Podcast, how the youth calls it this day, please go there and rate and review us and tell us how pretty and great and funny and entertaining we are. Uh, do leave a review uh, explaining exactly all of these things and uh, we will be grateful to you and we will send you Sybil's note via mail. I will send notes to anyone who desires them because it turns out I am an endless font of horrible, horrible creativity, which is how you end up with eight podcasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still want to do a TNA podcast, but I don't think I have the time for it anymore. <laughs> I. The problem is... That there are highs, but depending on what we set up as what we cover, there would just be so much bland. I think, I think for the first, I think for the first like five years of the show, it's just like weird ass shit after weird ass shit. Like, I don't think that bland stuff starts until a certain point. But that's my job. It's it's fucking insane. Like TNA is like, someone needs to do that. Uh, uh, We will commission a TNA podcast from you. We will not pay you. Well, yeah, no, we will not pay you. But we can, we can. uh, I can bake cookies for you. Um, 
It's not on infamous, and I can literally bake cookies from you. I, I, it's the one thing that I know how to do mildly well. Um, we should end this. Do you have anything to plug, Sebo? I do not. Uh, you can find me at my website, hellscaper.com, with links to all the other projects I work on. And as always, you can find me at ACC the Moon on Twitter, for as long as Twitter is still alive, before, you know, our, our friend Elon just destroys it. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving to co-host. Yeah, I, 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 did, I made a co-host account. My problem with co-host is that it's very Tumblr-y, which uh, Twitter has its own appeal where you can just tweet like a sentence and that fits the aesthetic of the site. Um, well, co-host is more Tumblr-y, which has its own good and bad associated to it. I don't know. I'll try it out, see how it goes. I'm actually the moon on, uh, on co-host because my nickname was actually available on co-host. Instead, someone stole it from me on Twitter, which makes me sad. Um, but yeah, if you want to support us, I don't know, make Twitter a living hellscape so that piece of shit has to sell it again. Um, make. I mean, he just invited like five extra lawsuits onto himself, so we might not even have to do much work. Make Twitter the new Tumblr. Have a good day, everyone. I'm tired. I need a place to live. I'm tired. Bye. Well, we don't have a Patreon, but it turns out that if you were to actually wiretap one of our brains, Ellie's would be a nice, sad, emotional journey, and mine would basically just be a screaming maximum of one song. Bye. Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight like a pop pocket and get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. Let's terrify.